why don't we have a seat um, as our kids are slowly um, just going to their respective stations. Um, yeah, just um, get the privilege to uh, introduce our speakers tonight. I, I'm, I'm regretting I did not do my homework because I had some phenomenal photographs to introduce this couple. Um, a lot of them had a lot of flames, flames going up high. So uh, the, the gentleman I'm going to introduce is on fire. Um, he's, a, he's a real master. Um, I've, I've been to his house several times, and um, I think almost two out of three, three out of four, we have, we have grilled. Um, and it's been, it's been beautiful. It's been deer sausage. It's been pork sausage. It's been um, just flames. It's, it's just the memory, just flames. It's been great. It's been phenomenal. Uh, so just get to enjoy it. There's six kids. So they have six beautiful kids who I'm sure will be talked about tonight and uh, maybe introduced by name. Um, John and Sandy Gotcha, they um, beautiful members of our parish, faithful and prayer warriors. Um, they are uh, beautiful parents who uh, have uh, just fought through um, so many challenges, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how God has spoken to you uh, both in your lives and kept you together and formed you and secured you. Um, they work with our, um, our marriage ministry here in the parish. Uh, they're involved in small groups, and they just they love what we do, and they love being a part of this community. Um, and they, they gather people around their home and their neighborhood. They often have prayer nights. They have rosary. Uh, during COVID, it was a constant storybook uh, of them gathering their community and just um, in the streets and in the parking lot and in their driveway and um, actually part of their home in their backyard. They, they, love, they love so much and are so open that their fence actually um, folds over to like a, this is, yeah, to a bar. And their neighbor on the other side comes over and the lights come on and it's just, you know, it's Friday night every night. So um, John and Sandy Gacho, it's a privilege to have you all as part of our parish and it's a privilege to have you all tonight just present to us. Welcome. Thank you, Father Michael, for that. I do have new greats. Okay, so uh, before we get started, I just want to let Father Michael know that um, I've been actually planning this talk for probably three years. No, I knew about it for about three years, uh, so it's time. So uh, anyway, I'm going to start out uh, with just a brief introduction. Um, I was born and raised Catholic, uh, went to Catholic school, went to Cathedral, St. Thomas More, um, then started my, my college career at UL, and um, I, had, I was having a little bit too much fun, um, and I kind of strayed from my faith a little bit, and uh, just you know, due to my deep roots and upbringing, I, you know, came back to my faith pretty quickly. But I did uh, take a break and join the military. And um, so once I came back, um, you know, I, I took my schooling pretty seriously. And um, I, was, I was actually used to, um, you know, exercising a lot, running. And uh, so going along with that, I like to go to bed early and um, just, 
I received a random call out of the blue, nine o'clock. I mean, I was in the bed, like going to sleep. And it was actually a friend of mine went to high school with, and he was dating uh, Sandy's first cousin. And uh, he said, hey man, uh, I wanna set you up on a blind date. Come to Baton Rouge. I said, well, okay. So that was a yes, just a one yes, because if I would have said no, we wouldn't be married. But anyway, that was in uh, 1997. We're old. We're getting old. <laughs> and uh, so that was in 1997. We married in uh, January 2000. So that's John's journey. So mine is a little different. I was raised, born and raised Baptist. Um, so yeah, that's a whole different upbringing. So my parents were of the Baptist mindset that we do not baptize our children until they can verbalize, <coughs> verbalize that they want to be baptized and that they're ready to be baptized. So this translated into me going through the majority of my adult, young adult life unbaptized, my college years unbaptized. Thanks be to God that he found me at some point. Um, but it wasn't until college when I had a very tangible experience with Jesus, very tangible. Um, that's a talk for a whole nother day, but I won't, um, so I shouldn't have said that out loud, whatever. Father Michael's probably looking at me over there. Um, so yes, so God found me and he specifically asked me to be Catholic. And like I said, that's a whole nother story. So. We met, when I met John, we got married. We got married in the Catholic church. And it's kind of a running joke between our friends because they think like Sandy's Catholic because John was Catholic. And it's really not the case. Like I'm Catholic because Jesus wanted me to be Catholic. So here we are, we're married. We um, now have six children. And as we're introducing ourselves, we wouldn't think that this introduction would be complete without us telling you like a little bit about each of our kids. So um, they're kind of an integral part of who we are as a family. Um, our oldest son is 20 years old. His name is Jacob. He is <laughs> a lover of anything dangerous. Just to put it in perspective, he, um, he's a Marine. When he got back from training, the first thing he did was buy a motorcycle. He just completed his scuba diving certification and God only knows what's next. Jumping out of airplanes, I, I, I really don't know, but that's Totally his disposition. Not just a motorcycle, like one of the fastest ninja. Uh, it was bad. Like yes. we didn't sleep for a very long time, but it broke. Praise God. Um, he, he put a hole through the engine. So yeah, thank it's, God. It's gone. Um, so that's, that's number one. He's the leader of the pack. Then we have um, Mason, who's 18 years old. Um, Mason was born with a very rare genetic disorder. He, um, we were told he would never walk. He would never talk. He would never do many of the things that quote unquote normal kids do, right? Um, most of you in this room know Mason. Mason walks, Mason talks a lot, and he's, he's really a, just a walking miracle child. He's in the options program at St. Thomas More, and he is literally, I would venture to say out loud, the light of the school. I mean, he's every room he walks in, everybody just smiles and it's no different in our house. Like he's always happy. Um, after Mason, we had a little rough period. I um, was pregnant with twins, miscarried them. And I know there's probably women in this room that has suffered miscarriage or child loss of some sort. Um, 
And just what I want you to remember about that, what I try to tell myself every day, and my kids are great reminders to me, those babies are not gone. They're in heaven and they're praying for our family. And we have such a gift with the Catholic Church of believing and understanding the truth in the communion of the saints. And the communion of the saints is not just saint whoever was canonized on earth, it's whoever has gone before us and they're seeing the face of God and our babies are seeing the face of God. So those babies are praying. Um, fast forward, I guess it was about six months, six months after I lost the twins, I was pregnant with Gabriel. Gabriel is now 14. We call him the gentle giant. If you ever see the child on the altar, the redhead, and Father Michael has to go like this to read the, the book, that's, that's our son. Um, he's gentle because his spirit. He just has such a beautiful relationship with Jesus. And for us to watch that grow in him is, it's a gift every day to watch that. You were about to say something about Gabriel. No, it, no. it wasn't always that way. He wasn't always that tall, but just he's he shot like, like a foot in the past year. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had all these boys, right? We had boy, boy, boy. This man here, he wanted a girl so bad. Like I've never seen a man pray for a female child like this in my entire life. Like every ultrasound, he's like. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, it was all redhead, 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 boy, 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 you know. Yeah, and they all had the same color hair too. So, um, yeah. so literally 13 months later, Gabriel's 14, Gianna is 13. They, we laugh because they're kind of like our twins. Like they do everything together. They're in the same grade. They have the same friends. They hunt together. They fish together. I mean, they really are like twins. It's kind of crazy. But um, I remember this specific time. We were sitting in Mass. This was two weeks after Gianna was born, probably our first time to Mass since she was born. And I'm holding this little two-week-old baby, and there's this, this sweet little family sitting in the pew a couple rows in front of us. And there's these two girls, and they're leaning over. You could tell they were sisters. They were clearly in the same family. They were sisters. And they were just the sweetest. It was the sweetest relationship. And it immediately, like at that moment, God said to me, she needs a sister. So I'm holding this two-week-old baby. I lean over to him who's sitting next to me, and I whisper in his ear, she needs a sister. And he looks at me like I had five heads. He's like... I said, slow down. It's like the baby, she's two weeks old. <laughs> but it was, God kind of does that in my life. He kind of plants the seeds ahead of time, I think, because he knows my disposition. I'm a planner. Um, so that always was kind of in the back of my mind. So here we go two years later. Lucy is born, her sister. She's 10 now, so they're three years apart. Um, she is such a kind, sweethearted child. Like, I had a friend years ago that told me um, she was like the veteran mom at the time. She had seven or eight kids, and I was like on my second. And she looked at me and she said, I want you to remember something as you have the children, more children. Jesus gives each of your children a different piece of his personality. So when you look at your children down the road, when you have however many you have, at the time I only had two, she said, I want you to think of that. In those moments when it's hard, in those moments when you're like, I can't go another step, or you have that strong-willed child, number one, on the motorcycle, like remind yourself 
that one day he will use that. He will use that one thing that like really gets to you for his good. And it's like as our kids have grown, we can reflect back on that and we can truly see that. We can see it in our kids even at their young age. Um, okay, so we think we're complete. Yeah, we thought, you know, God had blessed us with five Aww. kids, so that was it. We're like, we're, we're, we're complete, Lord. Like we never said we're done. We obviously didn't have that mentality, but we felt complete. Well, lo and behold, <laughs> find out I'm pregnant and it's JP, the little redhead that's this big that I'm sure everybody sees in mass. Um, and as far as his personality, the first kid I was telling you about, he's a carbon copy. The old so, saying, uh, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking spitting image, just clone to Jacob. Wants to be him too. Like it really is beautiful because he looks up to him, but he thinks he's, he's an eight-year-old wanting to be in a 20-year-old body, but we'll see. We'll see okay. what happens with JP. So speaking of JP, um, it was about six months um, after, yeah, about six, JP was about six months old. Um, at the time, I was working for one of the uh, major oil and gas companies. And, um, you know, everything was great. Um, I thought I was going to retire there. Just, um, you know, everything was good. You know, um, we were comfortable. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, this is when the oil fields started tanking. And, uh, you know, the people in here can remember, you know, 2014, 2015, how everything started to um, nosedive as far as the oil field went. So, um, <clears throat> There was already probably four rounds of layoffs at this point in time. And um, Sandy and I had went on, we had just gone on a weekend trip. I mean, just had a great time, relaxing. And um, I just remembered, you know, getting back to the office that Monday morning. And uh, this was mid-April and it was cool outside. I said, man, you know, this is a beautiful day. And uh, well, lo and behold, I, you know, ended up losing my job that day. And, uh, you know, probably not 15, 20 minutes after I was in my office, I was packing everything up and, you know, um, heading out. And so at that point in time, I was like literally sitting in my truck for two hours. I mean, with a couple of boxes in my back seat, just, you know, in a state of shock, like, you know, what, what am I gonna tell my wife? Um, just, I had all these emotions going on um, it, it was just, it was not good. I said, what am I going to do now? You know, I mean, my resume is probably like so outdated, you know, probably 10 years old or whatever. But, you know, uh, anyway, I just, I finally got the courage to uh, call my wife. And, you know, she was in shock, couldn't believe it. You know, what's going on? And, uh, you know, so it just started the whole process of, you know, just, uh, applying to job after job after job and um, it was one of those situations where um, you were either overqualified or we'd love to hire you but you know when this uh, oil field picks up I have a feeling you're gonna leave so you know we're gonna have to you know you know sit on this and whatever so finally like seven months I was unemployed for seven months Got a job, all right. I was I was employed again, and you know I was like, okay, this is great, you know. 
uh, we can get back to normal. Well, the following July, July 2016, I was, guess what, laid off again. Because this company, they started filling the effects and, you know, I was the new guy, so I was laid off. And, uh, you know, I was emotionally going through just, you know, you name it, I, I was feeling it, just, you know, feeling like, uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing something right. I mean, you know, it was the problem. All I want to do was work, you know, provide for, for my family, you know. And um, just, it, it was a constant, constant struggle, just a lot of sleepless nights. Um, you know, I, I spent a ton of time in the Adoration Chapel, just, you know, whatever hour it was, if I, you know, felt like I needed to go, I'd go and just sit, you know, and pray to God. Like, you know, just asking God, you know, what, what's going on? You know, I just, I just want to provide for my family. Well, we all know July 2016, well, I'm sorry, August 2016. Do y'all remember that? The flood of August 2016. So at this point, you know, still unemployed. And on August 12th, I can remember we were, you know, sitting in the house, couldn't do anything. Uh, people were flooding. Um, I received a call from uh, my parent. Yeah, my parents saying that, um, you know, your, your youngest brother, Josh, um, he, he's missing. You know, we can't find him. And uh, Josh, he's also a veteran. Um, you know, he had PTSD. Um, and he was a, a very respected uh, law enforcement guy. I mean, just, um, you know, really did well with that. Uh, he was a post-certified farms instructor, just, you know, really had a good career. Uh, you know, work for different law enforcement agencies around Lafayette, St. Landry Parish, uh, canine unit, all this stuff. But anyway, um, they found him. And um, they found him in the woods. He had taken his life. Um, so, you know, that kind of added to everything. It, um, it, it was really, really hard. So, you know, we just continued praying and just, um, you know, trying to keep everything normal and um, just to keep the talk, you know, as short as possible. Uh, okay, so at this point, two layoffs. This happened three more times. It was just an endless cycle. You know, I'd, I'd become employed again you know, thinking, all right, you know, this is great. I can provide for my family. Next thing you know, hey, you know, we're sorry, you know, got to lay you off. You know, we didn't have a crystal ball, but, you know. Um, but having said that, you know, things had gotten so bad. Um, we had put in our, we put our house on the market and we live in a very desirable neighborhood. Um, <laughs> it was on the market for six months and we had two showings, okay? And that was a sign from God. You know, first of all, you know, any uh, rash decision probably isn't, you know, the best decision. I was just like, you know, oh, you know, we've got to sell the house, put a sign in New York, you know? Um, but God had other plans and, you know, I thank him every day because 
you know, we're surrounded by a group of neighbors that, you know, we love and cherish and um, just consider them, you know, part of our family. Um, so five layoffs in five years. Yes. I mean, I can the abbreviated story. <laughs> I cannot make that up. I mean, I'm not dysfunctional. <laughs> five layoffs in five years. Um, and there's also someone else in here that, um, you know, he was also in the oil and gas industry. And, um, you know, one time he reached out to me and said, hey, man, you know, um, I, I could really use some help, you know, if you want to come in and, uh, you know, uh, work for me. And, you know, during this time, you know, I, I took advantage of it and I was able to, you know, kind of make ends meet and put food on the table. So I really do appreciate that. And you know who you are. Yeah, without pointing them out. So when we were... Um when we were preparing this talk, we were obviously looking back in retrospect because you're not doing that. When you're going through it, you're like, you're just trying to survive. You're trying to pay a house note. You're trying to feed eight people. I mean, you're just trying to live. So as we were like rehashing all of this, we were like, okay, what, what can we, how can we come up with names for some of the things that we did to help us, that helped us get through this? So we came up with three Three things, three names that we think um, will really help you if you're going through any trials too. So number one is unity, number two is honesty, and number three is intentionality. So let's, I'm gonna start with unity because out of all three of those, this is the most important one. And if you don't remember anything that we say up here today, please just remember this, remember the unity. So what do I mean when I say unity? Come together with your spouse. Like I vividly remember when he came home and told me that the first time, after the shock had settled, we intentionally looked at each other one day and we said, okay, we have two choices here. We can number one, let this destroy our marriage, destroy our children's lives, destroy our lives, or we can come together and show our kids how to fight because that's all we could do at that moment in time was just meet it head on and fight it head on, right? Um, so recently, I, was, I went on this women's retreat with Stephanie Burke. I don't, some of you in here may know her, Dan and Stephanie Burke. They have spiritualdirection.com, um, Avila Institute, beautiful people. If you don't know them, look them up, spiritualdirection.com. You can get like daily emails. They're beautiful people, but they, um, most of their, a lot of their ministry is deliverance ministry. So fighting, spiritual warfare, those kind of things, okay? So she was leading this retreat and she told us something on that retreat. It was women, it was all women. But when I'm telling you I've taken this to prayer probably a dozen times, and this was probably three, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I can't get it out of my head. And it's so relevant to the unity. She, so she's telling us this story. She said, one day she gets a call from this exorcistic priest that she and her husband are friends with because her ministry's a lot of deliverance ministry. So the priest says to her, he says, Stephanie, I need, um, I need a favor from you and Dan. And she says, okay, okay, Father, what do you need? You know, like if Father Michael would call us, what do you need, Father Michael? Okay, don't ask me to do this though. So he says to Stephanie, I need you and Dan 
to be present for an exorcism that I'm about to perform. She's like, whoa. And she said there was just silence for a second on the phone. She said, she remembers she's sitting in her car in a parking lot thinking, oh, this priest just asked me to be a part of an exorcism. Like, so she says to him in a very sweet little tone, Father, why would you ask us to do that? And he said, Stephanie, the power of a holy sacramental marriage, two things, holy sacramental, is protection for the priest during the exorcism. Okay, just, just sit with that a second. The power of a holy sacramental marriage is protection against the gates of hell during an exorcism. Imagine for one second, if, if that can happen for that priest, what your marriage can be for your children. The protection that your marriage can be for your children when you are in unity. It, it just has made me think, I have thought on that. I'm telling you, every time I take it to prayer, I get something different. And we, we need to ask ourselves, like, are we living our marriage in a way that's providing protection for our kids? Or is it tearing them apart? Is it exposing them to the world? Is it making them make decisions that they otherwise wouldn't make because they don't see the example? They don't see us living it. So that's why I said unity is the most important. Like there's no, um, there's no substitution for unity in your marriage. So that brings us to honesty. Okay, so honesty, you know, just uh, it's very important to be honest. I mean, don't, you know, make anything up. Just, you know, whatever it is, whatever your feelings are, just be honest with your spouse. Um, you know, during this whole period, we both had, you know, good days and bad days. But it was amazing because um, it was never to the point where we were both having a bad day. I mean, it was kind of crazy, to be honest with you. It was, you know, I was having a good day, she'd be having a bad day, basket case. And then the next day, vice versa. But, you know, we were both, like, holding each other up during this time. Um, also, we, we prayed a lot together, um, making more time for prayer. Um, just, well, we'll get into it in a minute. But, um, and just being honest with the kids, too, you know, um, <laughs> yes, your, your dad, um, doesn't have a job again, you know, <laughs> just, but, you know, always trusting God. And I would tell the kids, you know, God will, uh, will provide a way. God is real. You know, I learned that, you know, uh, just in a very profound, deep way. There is no question without a doubt that, you know, God is in charge of everything, no matter what. Um, Someone that I'm very, very close to during this time would, would always be like, you know, because I was talking about my faith and everything, and he was like, you know, you know, your faith is great. It's, it's good and all, but what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I'm going to trust in God, you know? And uh, it, it's, but it's all in God's timing. And to the point about, about honesty um, with your spouse, there were times that 
you know, that Satan looks for those moments, okay? He looks for them. He looks for when we're weak. He looks for ways he can come in, and he just brings those little thoughts into your mind. And I remember particularly a time when I was, I had to discern those thoughts, and I, I was hearing these voices telling me, he can't provide for you. He can't provide for the kids. Look at so-and-so's husband over there. Look at how he provides for his family. And one day, I literally sat down with him and I said, I need to tell you how I'm feeling. I need to tell you, I feel like you can't provide for me. I feel like you can't provide for our kids. There's power in verbalizing that. When you speak that out loud to your spouse, you're telling Satan, you, don't, you can't come here because I'm being honest with him. And honestly, all I needed was for him to look at me and say, we're going to be okay. That's all, it, that's all it took was the one comment, we're going to be okay. And it was like all of those fleeting things that I was hearing just left. So re, just remember honesty. Even though you're sitting there thinking, I can't tell my spouse that I feel like he can't provide for me. He already feels like a piece of dirt on the ground. But you, do, you have to verbalize. She was being honest. You have to verbalize those <laughs> things. Um, so that leads us to our number three point, intentionality. So we've talked about unity, honesty, and intentionality. The biggest part of intentionality, and I know this probably sounds like a no-brainer, is pray with your kids. But... I'm going to take it a step further and say spontaneously pray with your kids. Like I said, I'm, I was Baptist, right? So Baptist people talk to Jesus. They're very good at spontaneous prayers. Catholic people, as beautiful as we all are in this room, we have lots of rote prayers. We could sit here and probably pray for an hour with rote prayers. But when you teach your children and you let them hear your heart, and then let them hear you asking Jesus for what you need after you've exposed your heart to them. That's powerful. We can tell our kids, it's almost like a cliche, you know, my kids will say, oh, I need this, I need that, or I'm worried about this, and we'll like, go ask Jesus. But are we showing them how to ask Jesus? Like for them to hear their dad, and look, we show emotion in our house, it's okay to cry. It's okay. They need to see that. They need to see that daddy has emotions and he's not this stoic figure that's always has everything put together. Because guess what? They're not going to have everything put together for the rest of their lives. So if we don't show them how to deal with those moments when they don't have it together, the world's going to show them how to deal with those moments when they don't have it together. And it's not a pretty, we all know the world is not pretty. That's very true. So just intentionally showing them how to, um, yeah, how so, to do that. You know, to the point of uh, intentionality, we asked uh, our kids if anyone wanted to contribute something to this talk. And um, our daughter, Gianna, 13 years old. She was seven at the time that all this was going on. Yes. So, keep that in mind. so I'm going to read this. This is, uh, hang on. this is word for word from Gianna. During the difficult time when dad lost his job, I learned many things such as humility and how to pray better. During this time, my parents did not try to hide anything from us, but frequently updated us about the current situation and were never mad or angry at what had happened, but taught us how to trust in God 
and be patient and that God has a reason for everything. During this time, I learned the value of humility and saving the resources you had. We frequently, pr frequently prayed as a family, even with my younger siblings who were quite young at the time. She was seven during all this. This event, although tough at the time, was very impactful on my spiritual life and without it, I would most likely not have the understanding of the importance of trusting in God and praying like I do today. So from the mouth of a 13-year-old child, she remembers that this many years later. Um, okay, so the last thing I'm go we're gonna leave y'all with, this was kind of a shocker for me, but God shocks me with all kinds of things sometimes. But um, throughout my life, I've journaled I'm sure many of you in here journal. Sometimes it's, it's joyful times. Sometimes it's, it's not joyful times. But as I've been just praying with this for the past like month, like praying with this talk and praying with what we would say, one morning I'm, I'm sitting in, in prayer and God reminded me of this song that was, much, it was a consolation. I would go to this song a lot when we were going through this time period. So as I'm like thinking of the song and I'm just kind of reliving those moments and those years, um, he reminded me of a journal entry that I had written during that time. And Jesus clearly wants me to share this journal entry with you. I don't go around reading my journals in public, so this is not um, something I would typically do, but this was dated June 3rd, 2020. You would think I wrote it yesterday. So but God it, prepared this three years ago. What? This is when I was reemployed again. <laughs> yeah, this was over. Okay, so June 3rd, 2020. I was having a conversation with a friend recently, sharing the joy of John finally finding employment after almost six very long years of layoff after layoff. She said something to me that caused me to reflect. She commented on how I stood with John in support when others would have walked away. In my mind, this was nothing heroic. This was what I vowed to do on January 8th, 2000 when we said for better or worse. We have had our better. This was definitely the time in our marriage that could be considered our worse. But as I really reflected on this, I realized it was nothing I did. We, which is what marriage is made of, made a choice to stand together. We, John and I together, decided we will not bow to the things of this world, disappointment, despair, materialism, and darkness. Instead, we would stand united. We would fight. We would fight for our family, for truth, for eternal treasures, for light, and for hope. Our Catholic faith teaches us that marriage is a direct reflection of the Trinity, of God's love for us. Suffering is a beautiful part of the Trinity and shows the enormous love Christ has for us. Within marriage, we have to experience these same sorrows and sufferings in order to grow in our relationship with each other and ultimately with Christ. It is not meant to be easy. As I think about these truths, I'm reminded of one of my favorite songs, Another in the Fire. The lyrics say, There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminded of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. 
There is a grave that holds no body, and the power lies in me. I did not do this alone. John did not do this alone. There was another in the fire walking with us and fighting for us the whole time. He held back the waters of despair and darkness on days when it was overwhelming. If you are facing challenges in your marriage, intentionally invite Christ in. Cooperate with the numerous graces He is waiting to give you. Do not give up on each other. There is power inside both of you that you do not even know is there. The song goes on to say, I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to Him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between wears thin. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. This is what happens when two married people come together in united prayer. The space between heaven and earth <coughs> wears thin and God is with you in your marriage and nothing can stand between you. There's another in the fire. Stand with him and fight. I promise you will both come out stronger on the other side. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this night and for this time that we've all had together. We know that you know each and every heart in here. You know what everyone needs. You know what their children need, Lord. We ask you to wrap them in your mantle of protection. Send Mary as their guide. Be with them and guide them in their marriage. Strengthen them in their unity and help them to be a light in a world that is so full of darkness. St. Joseph, protector of families, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you.